Welcome in to Please Bear With Me with your host, Travis Corley. The Bears in the regular season 6-6 six six on a three-game losing streak. Not able to pull out the win in Austin. And here to help me talk about it is Andrew Miner, good friend of the podcast. We're going to talk about that season recap, about the Texas game. We're going to jump into the Big 12 title. And we're going to talk about the college football playoff. Haven't talked about it all year. I've stayed away from the college football playoff uh, show, rankings, release. But tonight was the first time I watched it because, hey, the rankings actually matter at this point in the season. So here we go. Please bear with me. Without further ado, welcome in to Please Bear With Me. And I only thought that it was fair to bring back our good friend Andrew Miner to talk about, you know, how god-awful our, our Big 12 picks were from the beginning of the season. Andrew, how we doing? Doing well, doing well. Fun football season. It's not quite over, but for Bears, it's, it's, it's only the bowl game. But uh, if you're a college football fan, there's still a lot left. Absolutely. We're, we're coming up on the conference championship games, which which should be exciting. And the Big 12 title, I think, is is the best of the five games um, coming up here. So excited to see what's going to happen with the Big 12. And of course, you know, we got the playoff coming up. So excited for that. Contrary, too. Travis, to what Stephen A. Smith and Paul Feinbaum would would like you to believe the Big 12 championship game is the best championship game <laughs> of of the weekend, followed closely by USC Utah. Yes. So there you have it. The Big 12 and the Pac-12 had the had the marquee games this weekend. For sure, yeah. The Big 10 is just like so lopsided. Like, how does – it's Purdue, right? Purdue. They, they oh, came out of the way. They, the Big 10's got to do something about that because that is a very boring conference championship game. They're going to they're gonna have to switch something up when USC and UCLA come in or something because that's awful. They 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 were almost gonna to have <laughs> they were almost gonna have one of the worst offenses in the nation in Iowa in the Big Ten championship, and I'm glad that didn't happen. Right. And if Purdue would have lost because they it was not a short thing against Indiana, right. uh, I believe it would have been four way tie in the Big Ten West, um, which would have put Illinois in, I think. But. Yeah, wow. I think at the end of the day, Purdue lost in Purdue, Illinois, Iowa, and Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, tying for the West there. So, so weird. But yeah, that that game is uh, going to be one that I'm probably not going to watch for sure of of the five. Um, do you have your Christmas decorations up? I'm curious about this. When it when is your threshold for putting up Christmas? Just just was helping my wife with the tree. Okay. Now. Okay. So you're a post so usually post Thanksgiving guy. Yes. Post Thanksgiving. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. I, I've tried to, you know, hold off as long as I can. My, my wife likes to put it up as soon as possible. So we had a bunch of people over for my son's first birthday and literally the very next day, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, the tree was up. So I, but I held off as long as I could. I did, but I, I do have <laughs> lights on the house now. 
I did those this weekend. Actually, I'm not completely finished because I ran out of yard stakes. So I've got more on the way. So I got to finish that up. So I have just have some lights just like laying in my yard right now. So don't come steal oh my, my lights. Oh my gosh. Okay. Do that yeah. yourself. <laughs> don't come steal my lights, man. Um, okay. All right. So, ooh, okay. So a little bit of Baylor uh, adjacent news. We got, we got Matt Rule heading to Nebraska. I think it was what, like an eight year, about eight or nine million a year deal, which is pretty awesome for him. He just like keeps raking in these huge contracts, um, which is wild. But yeah, Matt Rule heading up to Nebraska. And hey, man, I think he's going to do well. I think he's going to do well. What are your thoughts on Matt yes. Rule in Nebraska? Yeah, speaking of the Big Ten West, right, Travis? Um, <laughs> it's an excellent hire. He he uh, he tweeted out a picture of you know the the Nebraska stadium with the national championship uh, years that are on the you know their Ring of Fame or or whatever it is. Uh, I believe that's seventy seventy one, and then what ninety four, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety five, ninety five, ninety four, ninety five, ninety seven, four to one, ninety six. But yeah. I think it's great, and I texted uh, you know a couple of my friends and family, you know, as, as the Matt Rule news was circulating, and um, you know, I was like, yeah, he's just you know he he figured out how to loop in and and get those contracts and just the stepping stone, yeah. you know, guaranteed contracts from Baylor and then the Panthers, and then you know that was fully guaranteed, and then yeah. uh, Nebraska. I don't know the details of fully guaranteed or whatever, but eight years is a heck of a I got a time and, you know, honestly, I, I hope it's the right fit. I hope it works out um, because Nebraska is a lot of fun to watch just in, in general. And Matt rule, you know, I was watching him on game day. I was like, I was getting fired up as a, you know, Amen. to be a Cornhusker fan, you know, Seriously. listening to him, the Cornhuskers. He's just got like, he's got a way about him that when he talks, you like, you get excited about it. And, you know, I was thinking when he left Baylor, um, if he ended up back in the college ranks, which what I kind of expected, I didn't know how I was going to feel mm-hmm. about it. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not butthurt at all. I'm happy for him. Um, you know, you can say what you want about what type of football coach he is, but um, he's a hell of a businessman. I can tell you that he is a hell of a businessman to, to get those type of contracts. But I think he's going to strip that thing back and uh, he's going to have Nebraska on the up and up. They, they might not like it um, in year one. He might play a lot of freshmen and sophomore year one, you know, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens. And then, some some Big Twelve news as well. Um, excited about Cincinnati joining the conference, but Wisconsin comes in and poaches Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. He's heading up to Wisconsin, so um, I, I think that's a slam dunk hire for them as well. And I'm I'm interested to see which way Cincinnati's going to go here. See, yeah, it seems great. Another Big Big Ten West hire, uh, team making moves. <laughs> Um, it, it, it was a little interesting, you know, talk to some people about this was a little interesting that Luke Fickle didn't decide to, you know, ultimately bet on himself, um, and, and stick with Cincinnati that's moving into a power five conference as, you know, the big 12 seems to be, uh, very good. You know, they play that nine, you know, round robin, nine, nine team schedule, yep. which kind of leaves everybody beating everybody. Uh, more so than the other conferences. So maybe they don't look so good on paper, um, but with more teams coming, I think you'll see some clearer cut, um, you know, top of the league type thing. Uh, so. so it was kind of interesting 
see him make that move. I'm sure he got paid a lot. I'm sure if you were to ask him, that's betting on himself by going to Wisconsin. That's a story program. Barry Alvarez immediately caught, uh, jumps to mind and, you know, the multiple Rose Bowls that they went to with, with him. So I, I think that's the, that's the goal is to get Wisconsin back to uh, Providence and, and Pasadena. Um, and one thing about Wisconsin is basically the Oklahoma State of the Big Ten, in my estimation, you know, kind of like the team that's always there, always, you know, that top 15 yeah. can be explosive, but they never quite get over the hump. Yeah. Um, right. They never can quite take that next step, um, you know, in terms of national championship uh, right. opportunities. So it'll be, be interesting to see how that goes. And then, yeah, welcome in. I think what BYU since every, is everybody joining next year? Oh man, I thought it was just two teams. I want to say it's just two teams. BYU and and I know BYU for sure and Cincinnati for sure. And I think I that's right. I think we're that's waiting. Right. UCF. And... and I'm upset that I don't know that answer, but I know we're at least getting two. It may be four, but I think it's two. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah, be be interesting to see what what Cincinnati does there. And hey, like you said, Big Ten Big Ten West, you kind of licking your chops, saying, "Hey man, if we're just a little bit above average." We, we make the big Ten championship game, right? <laughs> yes. So, uh, all right. Yeah. Baylor ends the regular season, three-game losing streak. The toughest part of our schedule was the last three games and lost three straight, which is never fun to do. Going to Austin, play a, a pretty good first half, up 19-17 to 17 at the end of the first, um, but ended up losing the game there 38-27. to 27. What happened? What happened? Yeah, I think it was Bijan Robinson happened um, and, and yeah. Roshan Johnson. I mean, after, you know, credit Baylor. Baylor played very, very well. I have a question I want to ask you, but in terms of what happened in the game, I think uh, after that defensive touchdown by uh, Gabe Hall, right, Quinn, Quinn Ewers didn't attempt another pass, not even yeah. throw another pass. Yeah. He didn't attempt another pass. Texas had three drives. They went – all runs on every single drive, two touchdowns. They probably could have scored a third uh, touchdown after the Bears turned it over on downs, but that was really all they needed to, to salt the game away. Uh, but Baylor had the lead, 27-24, after a great special team or a defensive play touchdown um, and 13 minutes left in the game, up three in, in Austin on the road, ranked, ranked opponent. And then Texas like, okay, we're just going to prove that we're bigger, powerful, stronger than you guys and, and run, run down your throat. And to that, I'd say, okay, but why didn't you do that all of season? Why isn't <laughs> why isn't Bijan Robinson, who's making two million in NIL money, uh, yep. according to the broadcast, why is he not in New York for a Heisman Trophy? Why did you guys lose to Texas Tech and are not in the Big Twelve title game this weekend? Why aren't you knocking at the door of a you know college football playoff bid? Uh, so. You know, I, if I were if I were in Austin, if I was wearing burnt orange, I'd be a lot more disappointed than uh, than if I were a Baylor fan today. Yeah, yeah. hey, I, I have to agree. I mean, you're looking at Bijan and and the best running back in the nation, probably going to be a, a first round pick in the NFL draft. Running backs don't really go in the first round that much uh, anymore, but I expect him to be in that first round um of the draft and yeah you look at where tech finished you know how can you not go in and and, and beat texas tech and uh you know if um did they they beat kansas state right yep yeah so yep. hey you beat tech earlier in the year and you're in the big 12 championship game right now um 
But yeah, it, it seemed like throughout the year, Sark kind of would go away from the run game for, for whatever reason. And uh, he certainly did not do that against Baylor, which was a good plan. Um, yeah, Texas ended ended the game 22 straight runs to end the game and yeah. and 14 points. Um, but look, I, I mean, Baylor played – I thought they played well in the first half. Uh, they they forced a safety, uh, a touchdown right after that, and just like that, we're up 9-0. to zero. Yep. A big stop before half. And then we go and score before the before uh, before the halftime. That was a great drive right before half. Like I I, I don't remember. I think maybe West Virginia was the only other game where we scored a touchdown in like the last two minutes of the first half. If if I'm remembering correctly, it didn't happen a lot. If if at all, if at all, we were usually okay. giving up touchdowns. Exactly. At the end of the- exactly. Yes. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so to to get a big stop before half to go in and score. Ben Sims has been kind of quiet this second half of the year. And to see him come through with a touchdown, it was like, okay, like all the momentum is on our side. The offense seems to be playing a little bit better. I know Shapin had some underthrows there in, in the first half that, that could have been touchdowns, but Hey, we're up 19, 17. And then in the second half kind of lay an egg offensively. Um, and that's like the other part of this game that like you said, the rushing attack of Texas hundred percent. And like the other side of that coin is like, we just could not score in the second half. And that offense just could not get anything going in the second half. Um, our only, you know, zero offensive points and Gabe Hall, the scoop and score, plus the two-point conversion. So, really, I'm giving those two points to the defense as well. So, I mean, we're up 27 to 24. It's the fourth quarter, and you're saying, we're right in this game. And then the rest the rest of the game was, was all Texas, so – yeah, it was uh, it was tough to watch, and and that's the second game in a row now that Baylor has led the time of possession and lost the game, um, and also won the turnover battle. We we won the time of possession. We won the yeah, turnover won. battle four to one because I think they're counting the safety as a turnover, and we got a defensive score and we lost by eleven. Yeah, lost by eleven. We lost by eleven, man. I think I realized they had four turnovers. Yeah, so I think I think let me let me look let me look just they, to make they sure. the fumble they the fumble that led to the missed field goal, and they had the the scoop and score fumble, and then if you're counting the safety as a turnover, that would be three. Okay, maybe it's I, just three. Well, ESPN's wrong then because I look at the team stats and they said four. So yeah, three, it gets, four. That gets- Sometimes so that's not on you. That's on ESPN. All right, let's blame ESPN. But yeah, three <laughs> three turnovers, four turn- turnovers doesn't matter. You win the time of possession, you win the turnover battle, and you get a defensive score. I'd say nine t- times out of ten, you're winning that game, or at least like a one possession loss. The defense but... was great. Defense, safety, scoop and score. What five sacks? Yep, five or six sacks. Yeah. Um, I mean, gosh, they they were looking good, and it's just. Let me ask you on the because it's a more season review podcast or you know episode. Yeah, let's 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 transition. It, it to just the, felt, to the it felt like Baylor couldn't get anything. Yeah, it could, felt like Baylor couldn't get anything going offensively and, against Texas, and also couldn't really do anything offensively. You know, much. it took a while for them to get going over the course of the season. Well, why why do you think that was? Um, mm. Yeah, because like when I look back at the offense this year. I thought the offensive line and the running backs played played well. And I would give them an above average grade on the end of the year. I don't think we ever had an issue rushing the ball. 
where our issues offensively came was consistency in the pass game. And yeah, at the beginning, yeah. So uh, to start the year, you know, we let, we leaned towards the, we have inexperience at wide receiver and shaping and these wide receivers are just trying to figure things out. And that's kind of what we chalked it up to the first half of the season. And to the wide receiver point, sure, we didn't have one guy kind of head and shoulders above everyone else, that go-to guy on a third and seven that we could just throw a quick slant to or a fade to or a contested catch guy. We didn't have a guy like that really step up. But what we saw kind of near the end of the year in that back half of the season is I don't think Shapin really improved. I think he was the same guy from, from game one until game 12. And he was inconsistent with the deep ball and with his passing attack. And we just couldn't count on him. We couldn't count on him. And his confidence at some point got shot. And it just kind of went downhill from there. And when it became a issue where the defense came into the game saying, we want to make your quarterback throw the ball. And anytime I hear those words, when you're a defense, you want you want to make the quarterback throw the ball. That's not good in my eyes. Especially in and college. Say again? Especially in college. Especially in college. in college. Especially in college. And so for as good as our run game and our offensive line was, because of our inconsistencies in the pass game, people were able to key in on our rush attack even more. And that was a detriment to the offense. So not, not having really a playmaker at quarterback, I think is, is what it came down to, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. And obviously let's go to the best game of the season, which was definitely, uh, you know, hosting number four TCU. Um, I'm not sure where you at that game. I know you try to go most of the, I was there the game. I was there. You're there. Uh, um, what was my question? My question, I totally, totally forgot. It'll come back to me, Travis. I'm, I apologize. Uh, I, had, I had a question loaded about TCU. Um, or I, I, the, the inconsistency, sorry. Yeah, so Blake Shapin, inconsistent. I, I think I, I by that, um, I definitely don't think he had a short memory um, mm. and, and was able to turn the page, right? Like he looked in, yeah. he looked in game 12 like he looked in game one or, or at least game two where he wasn't, you know, you know, hitting, you know, he was under throwing receivers. He wasn't hitting um, the receivers. I'm curious about what, what your take was on Shapin specifically in the TCU game. Cause I thought he had a lot of many moments where he converted critical pat, not only passes, but long third down yeah. passes that really gave us an opportunity to win. Um, but of course he had some, some poorly underthrown balls. I, I think, I don't think the play, the coaches helped him out at all with play calling. So what was your takeaway on shaping specifically in TCU? Yeah. So in the TCU game, I, I think you're right. I agree with you. Like at critical moments in the first half, he made some good throws. Ideally one to Cam Bonner on a third and long before half, um, before he went and threw the interception uh, before half, he threw a third down to Cam Bonner across the middle. Oh, that yeah. was just beautiful. Yes. Beautiful and a really tough catch from Bonner, his first catch as a Baylor Bear. So, like, there are certainly times where Shapin will make a play where you're just like, God, I'm not sure how many quarterbacks can fit that ball into there. 
But like we just talked about, the inconsistencies and the lack of confidence in where we are going to get points. We are in field goal range. And then right there before half to, to throw an interception on another underthrown ball um, just shows the inconsistency. And then kind of my other point that I've, I've spoken to these last couple of weeks on the podcast about shaping is when we need like a play in a crucial, crucial moment to win a game, he has not been able to step up. And you look at these other games throughout the year, when we put the game away offensively, it's been because of the rush attack against Kansas. Right. Yep, against Kansas and against OU. When we went and scored in the fourth quarter to win the game, it was it was on the rushing attack. And then, yeah, you, you can talk about play calling all you want, but on that third down, when we needed a first down to win, you've got Ben Sims wide open. I mean, no one's within five yards of him, and, and Blake just misses him. And I, and I think that's the, the, the lack of confidence and, and maybe just not being locked in and like the game is in your hands and maybe a little bit of nervous energy. And so, yeah, I, I think he, I think he played well in the first half and he made some really critical throws, but like I said, when, when we really, really needed him to put away a game, we, we haven't been able to count on him. Yeah. I think he made some throws in the second half too, just to be fair, but, but yeah, the, the, the miss to Ben Sims was, was bad. And then the underthrown ball to Baldwin, um, on the second drive of the game, uh, you know, where we yeah. had missed the field goal and we only yeah. missed the field goal. We got called for a false start penalty, um, which Mayor's just left it that short, which mm-hmm. he never should have left it for in the first place. There was no wind. Um, he must have just not got a good handle of it. But that that was that's on shaping, right? Under throwing the ball. He had him wide open, just trying yeah. the end zone. I also thought Baldwin could have, and I think this speaks to inexperience at wide receiver could have gone back through the defender drawn flag for sure um which I, I don't think he you know even attempted to but again that that's on the quarterback that would be the receiver making a play and then the fade to baldwin um at the end of the half on the pick i thought that was you know i thought that was the coaches putting him a bad putting the team in a bad spot to make a play that, that seemed like a really bad call to me um you got to take a shot at the end zone but that specifically a fade of, from the far hash across the field into the end zone to like a what five eight receiver or yeah. undersized receiver that that seemed like a bad a, a call that put your players in a bad position um you know to to execute and and to and to be successful um That's now fast point. forward to the end of the end of the game yeah i think you know that was a good call the guy was wide open you got to hit that uh type thing um so you know but there were you know to me like that's that's why the question about next year at the quarterback position, who's QB one? Yeah, like it's weird because he did some stuff, but yeah, there's no growth. So I wonder in these pra- upcoming practices to the bowl game and then off season, wonder if we'll see that growth and just hey, tr- you know, kind of trust the process and that rule uh, saying you know trust the process if you will yeah. and and see if we can get through this and, and get better and uh, you know have the you know, team's still pretty young. Well, we're certainly very young, and I think we overstated, as crazy as this sound, we overstated how big of an impact that Bernard, Petrie, Woods, Barnes, um, and all of those guys had on the defense to where, yeah, we're going to put these freshmen and sophomore in, and there's not going to be a significant drop-off. Like, it sounds silly of us to say now, looking back on the year, you know, and I do want to get more into like next year, what's going to happen with the offense. But before we do that, let's switch to that defensive side of the ball. 
what do you think sure. seem to be kind of like the issues with with us defensively? Because we certainly had some of our own issues on the defensive side. This isn't all on the offense, you know. Yeah, I saw a uh, interesting stat. I think um, Travis from uh, Rotor from Segment Three Sixty Five put it out where of Aranda's defenses, uh, either either as head coach or DC at his all his stops. Uh, this one was ranked sixty first yes. in the nation, which is by far his worst um, worst defense. You know, you know the other you know the defense at LSU was like fifteenth, and he had you know, top five defenses at Wisconsin when he was the DC there. Um, which that kind of surprised me because I would have guessed that we were a little bit better than 60, yeah. um, the, the Baylor defense, because I thought, you know, I thought the defense, if I had to grade them, you know, be maybe close to a B plus, um, you know, over the, the course of the season, uh, it, you know, it took teams a lot of effort to even get, get to 30, um, you know, points against us in, in most games. Uh, the, the defensive side, I have been saying it all year. I think it's the secondary. I think it was the, uh, the youth and inexperience there. Um, just wide gaping gaps in the, in the secondary. Yeah. I thought the rush defense was really good. Um, you know, just, you know, taking out of the last 13 minutes against Texas. <laughs> uh, but I think we were missing some guys against Texas. I think Matt Jones went out with an injury. Yeah, he was I out. think, uh, Apu Aika was, was in there. In first half. On the sideline. Yep. Um, you know, as well. So I think we're missing some key guys that were good run stoppers for us uh, over the course of the season. Uh, ultimately, it was just we, we were just getting thrashed. If, if there was a good, good quarterback, Will Howard, Spencer Sanders, yep. um, uh, you know, um, Hall at BYU, you know, they, they were shredding us. And, and even still, um, most the most games we were we were right in there and. The defense again, as as were the past two years under Aranda, gave us an opportunity to to win the games. Um, yep, no, for sure. I, I I I mirror you on the holes in the back half of the defense in the passing game. It felt like, sure, maybe one or two last year, but it felt like almost one or two per game this year that that ended up hurting yeah. us. And <sighs> Baylor ended up being, I. I last week at least I can't imagine it's any better this week but was like bottom 20 in the nation in third down defense I think we were giving up 45 percent on third downs people were converting yeah, couldn't get off the field yeah I believe could, it yeah I, yeah so like we were putting ourselves in good positions to get off the field mm -hmm. but we just could not get off the field and I think we also expected our defensive line to put a lot more pressure on the quarterback than we did this year and I think that was something else that when I when I was looking at the beginning of the year, like, yeah, we're going to be young in the secondary. But I think that the experience we have at defensive line and at linebacker is going to put enough pressure on the quarterback where maybe some of those issues will be solved in, in the back half of the defense. And we just we just didn't see it for whatever reason. And that's I think that's just a more of a testament to like how good Petrie and Bernard were at not only athleticism, but their football IQ of knowing like, oh, they're in this set and they do this motion. And when this offensive lineman does this movement while they're in this set, I know exactly what play they're running. And I'm like a half step ahead of the offense. So like just yeah. that missing piece of the defense as well. Um, and I, yeah, I just kind of go back to unable to really pressure the quarterback at any time this season and then, man, I, it was really sad to see 
kind of our issues with tackling this year. It felt like it really took us a long time to get together and, and tackle well. And look, when you're not tackling in space, you're just not going to play well as a defense. And I think that's some more of the immaturity of, of the defense there in the secondary and, and just not wrapping up, wrapping up, not having good technique. And I will say though, I, I do trust that we'll be able to fix those issues with, with tackle. Like, look, we're young, we're young and, and we'll figure that out in, in the back half of the, of the secondary, I, I believe. Um, and I'm glad you brought up what, um, what Travis Roeder tweeted out. Cause I actually have that in my notes. And you're right. Baylor this year was 61st in SMP plus defensive rankings. And that is by far by 19 spots, Aranda's worst defense to 2020 Baylor, which we all remember that really awesome COVID season, um, 42 ranked defense. But um, 2012. Say again. What was 2021? 2021, 13. Yeah, 13. 13 man so we dropped from 13 all the way down to 61 in in the matter of a year and just ru- ru- running through these real quick 2012 utah state ranked 31st wisconsin the next year 11 wisconsin the next year 15 2015 wisconsin the fourth defense followed that up by going to lsu his first year with the number two ranked defense 2017 lsu eighth next year lsu fifth 2019 LSU, the year they won the national championship, his worst year at LSU, 20, 20. Yep. So, yeah, the, the question is going to be, is this an aberration or not? And I'm going to say this is an aberration. I, I don't expect um, the defense to be 61st again next year. I expect us to jump back in the, into that top 30 range, especially with having another year under our belt with, with, the, with the defense. So um, anything else you want to hit on on the defense? No, I, I was never worried about the defense going in. Um, to me, they played better than a top 60 defense uh, or a 60th ranked defense, I should say, you know, over the course of the season. Uh, defense wasn't the issue, and I have no concerns really about the defense moving forward. Um, I'd like the secondary to get shorn up a little bit, yep. um, a little bit more. And, you know, there's some other things like you mentioned, but but I, I just – you know, that's, that's been Baylor since Matt rule came in 2017. It's been a defensive brand, you know, branded program. So I just have no, I have no concerns about the defense. I think we're all hoping that some quarterback at some point uh, can take us back to the days of RG three and Bryce Petty and uh, Seth, you know, um, Seth Russell and Nick Forrest. You know, I think that's what everybody's yearning for. Gotta have a playmaker quarterback, man. Gotta have a playmaker back there and, Got a few more questions about this wrap-up that I want that I want to hit you with. Um, and let's it. start there with quarterback then. Is Blake Shapin the starting quarterback for the Baylor Bears next year? I think I think he is. Um I I I would say yes at this point. We'll see. I'm I'm curious to see the what the bowl looks like and everything like that, but I I I think he is. I think it'd be tough to, you know, kind of lose the the growth that you presumably yeah. got this year. Um, and start over again with a, with a different quarterback, which is exactly what they opted to do this year. Right. And we see how well that worked out for them. Um, hindsight's twenty twenty, but was it a mistake moving on from Gary Bohannon? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, pretty obvious. Yes, for sure. Now, here's the follow-up question to that. 
would Gary Bohannon have gotten us back to the Big 12 title game, or do you think he just would have won us a cup like like two two or three two of wins. those losses would, would be wins right? for sure. So West Virginia is a win. Know. I think West Virginia is a win yep. with Gary, and T- I think we would beat TCU with Gary. Yeah, I I think that's fair. Yeah, so I think and that's least, why. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that's why he, Aranda chose to move on and go with Shapin because there was more upside, there was more ceiling. Um, but I think if you stuck with Gary, you would have you would have gotten. I, I would argue three. I think BYU, TCU, and West Virginia um, are okay. all games they should have won. They should have finished at nine and three, which I think would have been. Um, you know, everybody wants to get back to the Big 12 title game, but I think 9-3 would have been a very successful year. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Um, as far as Blake Shaven being the starting quarterback next year, I'm going to say no. Um, I don't think – I'm like 50 – Drones. Drones? I think, yeah, yeah. I, I think the, the missing piece this year from the quarterback position was the rushing attack and just playmaking ability, you know. And I think Drones gives us that playmaking ability. He is a similar body to Gary Bohannon with a better arm. So I I know it is tough to – if that decision is made, then this will be Aranda's fourth season with with four different quarterbacks. So that's why I'm 50-50 on it because I think Aranda has shown, like, once he has his guy, he's going to stick with him. Just but he's also that. he's also shown that from year to year the deficiencies of the team he's going to address and he's going to make a change. So yep. the real question is, does Coach Aranda think there is a deficiency at quarterback? I think there is, but who knows? Who knows? So, but no, I don't think Blake Shapin is the starting quarterback next year. If Drones transfers, yes, he will be. Austin Novosad is not going to start as a true freshman. That is not going to happen. I have heard people say that that is 100% not going to happen. So if if drone stays around, I think he starts. If he leaves, it'll be shaping again. And look, I don't think that's bad. I don't think we should all go into groaning and moaning about next season if Shapin's the the starting quarterback because at the end of the day, we we don't know what's best for the team more than that coaching staff does. So if that coaching staff comes out next year and, and rolls with Blake Shapin, then hey, I, I have to be behind it because. <laughs> I don't know any better. That's for sure. Sure. I don't know any better. Yep. Um, okay. Which which position do you think Baylor has to hit the hardest in the transfer portal? Wide receiver. They they need a guy. They need a dude. Yep. They need just a playmaker to go up and uh you know catch catch the football. Um that was obviously <laughs> something that uh that that we lacked this year. Um yeah. think about Jalen Hurd a few years back, right? Um that transferred from Tennessee and uh how much of a difference he made. We need somebody like that, yeah. For sure. Yeah, think about Denzel Mims, Tyquan Thornton, just having that go-to guy. It's third and six. We need someone to win on a quick slant. We need someone like that. And I think our our receivers did get better throughout the year. But, yeah, I think we need to add a wide receiver. But I also think we we are going to need to add defensive line. We are losing, I think, four or five defensive linemen. Um and all three of our defensive tackles. So specifically, I would say we need to add a defensive tackle um, through the transfer portal. Um, I don't really see us adding anyone in the secondary, to be quite honest, just because we're so young. We have so many guys back there. And I think 
they're going to they're going to be able to put some trust in that secondary uh for next year. But we'll see like I think every position needs to be open for competition. I think it needs to be every year, honestly. So, but yeah, I, I think position-wise, yeah, wide receiver, defensive line are, are, are kind of the two to hit for me. Yep. Um. Okay, that's kind of all I've got to say about about the the season that was. Uh, your your six and six Baylor Bears, and we are heading to a bowl game. It's looking like the Liberty Bowl versus an SEC team or the guaranteed rate bowl versus a big 10 team. So Liberty bowl will be in Memphis and the guaranteed rate bowl will be in Phoenix. And <laughs> that one in Phoenix is a nine 15 central standard time kickoff. Yeah, gotta love that. Yeah. That is one late game. Um, our possible um, opponents, though, in this Liberty Bowl versus SEC would be like Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, Arkansas. And the guaranteed rate bowl versus Big Ten, which is less exciting to me, is like Maryland, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Which of those matchups, like, which of those matchups excites you the most, do you think? Well, I definitely want the Liberty Bowl uh, if I had to choose. It's a better bowl game. And it is um, going to be against a, a better opponent in the SEC. Uh, what was it? I think, Can, I think it's Florida, looking like Kentucky, Florida, Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, Arkansas. I'd want Florida or Missouri. Um, Missouri would be interesting because Kansas State dominated the Tigers to start the year. And I think Missouri. Uh, Missouri just beat Arkansas, I think. Um, mm, don't remember this past weekend. I think they did. Uh, but my point, they they're they've been coming on strong. Yeah. You know, they they kind of finished, I think, on a high note. So it would be interesting to see. Uh, you had that common opponent, you know, just to, as a met, you know, for whatever measuring stick that's worth, and then um, you know, someone someone that's a little hot, you know, um, see you know, see how we play for sure. Yeah, I think Kentucky is the least exciting for me out of those yep. four teams. Florida is exciting just because it's Florida. It's a very – Yeah, Florida would be historic. Historic program. Yes, absolutely. Florida, I think Missouri would be fun because, like you said, they're really coming on strong at the end of the year. Former Big 12 opponent, so that would be fun. I think Arkansas would be an interesting storyline because of Southwest Conference, but also Kendall Browse being the offensive coordinator. So – yeah, I, I think yeah, yeah. those three games are are more exciting to me than than Kentucky for for sure. So, I honestly think we're going to end up at the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, but uh, yeah, hoping for the Liberty Bowl, honestly. Yeah, um, I was ho I was hoping for the Cheez-It Bowl, but I guess that's moved up in the pecking order. It's like um, three, like the bottom. Yeah, yeah, it's um, like number three. I think that's so. going to be Tech. All right, we got kicked out there, ladies and gentlemen, because of my uh, non-upgraded Zoom. Only got 40 minutes, so we got Andrew Miner back. And just finished talking about bowl games, hoping it's going to be Liberty, think it's going to be guaranteed rate bowl. Um, but you know what? Let's move on from Baylor. Let's talk some Big 12, and let's talk some college football playoff. We don't really get to talk about the rest of the college football uh, most of the time on this uh, this podcast, so kind of excited to get into something that's, that's not Baylor football. Um, but Big 12 standings, 
Andrew Miner and I got on here at the beginning of the year, and, and we gave our Big 12 power rankings of where we thought teams were going to end. And, Andrew, do you know how many that you and I collectively chose right? Uh, out of 20? Um, five. The answer is zero. You or I did not choose one of these teams correctly. So, <laughs> the... <laughs> We just got to make fun of ourselves real quick about that because I I agree, but I did have Kansas state (laughs) in the big 12 championship. Okay. That is true. We will caveat it. You had Kansas state one, but yes, they are in the big 12 championship. You chose them in the big 12 championship. So we'll say, we'll say 0.5. We'll say a half of a point. We'll give ourselves which is still, it's still atrocious, but better than batting a zero average. Um, So big 12 into the year here, TCU, Kansas state, Texas, Texas tech, Oklahoma State, Baylor 6, OU, Kansas, West Virginia, Iowa State. And let's see here. I had Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, OU, Texas, Iowa State, West Virginia, TCU, Tech, then Kansas. Let's see. Andrew had Kansas State, Baylor, Oklahoma State, OU, Texas, TCU, Tech, West Virginia, Iowa State, Kansas, what result surprised you the most from these Big 12 standings? Uh, I think just how far the Oklahoma schools fell. (laughs) Um, Oklahoma State, I think they were dealing with Spencer Sanders, um, but Oklahoma really just dropped off the the map, um, finished, you know, near – Almost, almost, you know, almost last, basically. I mean, they finished tied with Kansas yep. um, and, and West Virginia. So I, I thought West Virginia was going to do a little bit better. Um, and they certainly had their opportunities. Uh, but but I felt I felt good, like, as, as Tech being somewhere in the middle of the conference. I know we neither of us had them, you know, as high as fourth is where they finished. Yep. Um, and I like – I know we both picked Kansas last, but I know – I remember us talking about, like, you know, we just had, it was something like, we just had to pick somebody last and we <laughs> picked Kansas, but I think we were both pretty optimistic on like, Hey, they, they'll probably take a step forward uh, this year. We just don't think it'll be a huge um, step. And I, I guess as a fan base, I mean, if you're, if you're Iowa state, I, I think you gotta be pretty bes- beside yourself um, because they certainly, you know, looked, they, they were the, the, Worst team in the league this year. Worst team in the league, man, which is, which is crazy to say because they had one of the best defenses in the league. So that kind of tells you their ineptitude on offense. And, yeah, I, I think I'm the my most surprising result here is the top and the bottom. I, I am pretty, pretty shocked that Iowa State ended up last in the conference. I had them at six. I thought that uh, – you know, their offense would at least be able to be average so that defense could carry them to to some more wins, at least a bowl game, you know. Um, so, yeah, Iowa State kind of shocks me being at, at the very bottom. And then, look, TCU, 12-0, and 0, man. Like, as much as I hate to give TCU props, like, you got to give them props. props. No one – yeah, yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure no one since the – I want to say since, like, 2000 almost 20 years no one's gone undefeated in the big 12 
regular season. Um, at least since the, at least since we started playing a round robin, you know, like all those years that OU went to the playoff and won the won the Big Twelve, they didn't go undefeated. They they lost at least one game. So for TCU to have a new head coach, to go twelve and zero, to be number three in the nation as we saw on the playoff rankings tonight, is is unbelievable. It is it is truly has been a great season for them. And what hurts even more is that we had those guys on the ropes and we should have won that game. Easily. Um, Easily. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. TCU, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Travis, but I think we both had like, we, we in our preseason show, I think we both kind of like had TCU as kind of an enigma, an enigma um, not really knowing where to put them, not really knowing what to make of them. Yeah. Um, not thinking that they were going to be the worst team in the league, but just like thought they might be, you know, like seven, five, eight, four. Um, but just didn't really know. We like we just had no clue, and uh, lo and behold, here they are undefeated, and um, you know, looking for the college football playoff, which is pretty, pretty remarkable. You got my mind racing on undefeated teams in in Big Twelve history. So, I'm pretty sure that. I saw that. Um, what was the stat? It was something about like maybe it was 2009. Texas was the last last team to go undefeated. So maybe it's closer to like 10 or 12 years, but certainly since it's been like the 10 teams round Robin schedule, no one's gone undefeated and TCU is the first team to do it. Yeah. Uh, undefeated overall, not just in conference. Right. So like I Oklahoma, so. I think was undefeated in 2000 when they won the national title, Yeah, Texas, no five and Oh nine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think Oh nine, Texas was, was Oklahoma time. in Oh eight. Now, Oklahoma away had a loss because they lost to Tech uh, with Crabtree. And then yeah. and then the 2010, so TCU went undefeated in 2010. That was when they were in the Mountain West. Mm. Uh, 12 was when we started round robin. So 12, 13. Uh, 13, we lost to Oak State. So 13, yep. 14. And then 15 would have been Oklahoma. But I think they lost somewhere. Kansas State. In 15? I want to say. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. You got yeah, a better memory yeah. for this than I do. I don't know. Um, yeah, they, they, Oklahoma's definitely had a bunch of struggles with with Kansas State. For sure. So, yeah, I think that makes I think that makes sense because everybody had one loss. The Oklahoma teams had one loss. I don't think they ever went to the playoff undefeated. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, yeah, man, TCU, definitely, definitely the shocker for me. Definitely the shocker for me, especially at – like I think Duggan made a huge – huge leap this year and i think a lot of that has to do with sonny dykes to be quite honest with you and you have no i i think he should be in new york i think he deserves that but it's caleb williams all the way yeah, Heisman williams. for me yeah it's he gotta really be good. he, he looked like, really good against him. oh my gosh like last week you always you, we always talk about what quarterback's going to have the Heisman moment, you know, and he just had two or three Heisman moments I felt like in that game where he was just escaping people in the pocket, making throws downfield and just like willing them to a win. So, yeah, I think it's Caleb Williams all the way and I don't think it's close. Yeah. Okay, TCU. Let's keep, let's let's stick here with TCU. Let's talk about this Big 12 title game here quickly. They are going up against 
Kansas State. And we said at the top of the program that this was going to be the best matchup of the weekend. And it is the only top 10 matchup of the weekend. Uh, Kansas State snuck in there at number 10 in the college football playoff rankings today. And TCU favored by two and a half points. How do you see this game going? Uh, I, I think I see it the way TCU's whole season has gone, you know, battle and they find a way to pull it out at the end. Uh, I think the offensive explosion we saw against Iowa state was a little bit of an aberration. Um, I, I think Kansas state's can perform fairly well. Um, Will Howard played really well against the Horn Frogs the last time out. Yeah. Uh, when he was kind of thrust in there and that was on the road. Um, and to be honest, I think Kansas state probably feels uh, very dis- disrespected. So, um, but I, I, I think, I think the Horn Frogs get it done late and I'll say, uh, yeah, 35, 24, uh, TCU. Oh man. Double digits. Yeah. Yeah. I think they added. Yeah. I think, I think it is extremely difficult to beat a team twice in the same year. And I, I'm thinking that Kansas state is going to pull this one out for that reason, but also because Will Howard was not in command of this offense when they first played and Will Howard, man really wish Kansas state would have kept Adrian Martinez in the game versus us. Cause things were looking good when he was in the game. And I thought it was pretty obvious. Will Howard was the better choice at quarterback for this team. And you know, they figured out that he was. And so now with him really having command of that offense, with them having the best playmaker on the field in Deuce Vaughn on Saturday is what I think propels Kansas State into beating TCU. And I think it's going to be like – it's going to be a field goal game. Something like 31-28, 34-31, something like that. Mid uh, High 20s low thirties could even see again in the high thirties, but yeah, I think it's going to be a close fought game, but I think Kansas state pulls it out. Cause they've got, they've got the best playmaker that's going to be on the field in Deuce Vaughn. But the interesting okay. question I have, um, go ahead. Quick question on that top 10 team. They're one of the only teams playing this weekend. If K state were to not win by a field goal, but if they were to like win like 48 to nothing or something like that, like maybe against Oklahoma state, uh, would you give them any consideration for the playoff? No, no, I would not. Um, let me see would what's their record. They got out? three losses. No, you, you can't put – when there's multiple teams in the SEC that have two losses um, and you have Ohio State sitting there with one loss, um, there's there's no way Kansas State gets in. There's not. I don't even think there's a conversation that the committee has to put them in. Fair enough. I think it depends on what, what a lot of other things happen to even get to having a realistic conversation about it. Um, check out the Bears Illustrated podcast. Like, I ran pretty hard on how Kansas State should have an opportunity, uh, even if it's a long shot. But they would they would need like everything to fall into place. Uh, but they're they're one of the only teams. You know, all those Ohio States and Michigans, uh, not Michigans, Ohio States, Tennessees, Bama's. They're not playing. So that's what the that's what the committee told us in 2014 was you need the extra weekend. Um, that the extra weekend mattered as a 13th data point and that you could make a statement. So I'm just curious, like Ohio State did. Um, so I'm just interested. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Kansas State blows out TCU, right? So I think it's a moot point. But 
um, it, it is an interesting thought exercise. Um, that is a, that is interesting. I now that I'm thinking about it more, like really, if Kansas State were to come out and win 48 to zero, like like if they just looked like a clear cut, you know, I don't think they hop Ohio State. There would be no way they hop five Ohio is State. five is dealing almost. Yes, I think though that they could jump up to five and be that last team out just by how dominant they would have looked i i think that is a real possibility but as far as them getting up to number four i don't think that's going to happen um because let's transition now into this college football playoff and let's keep going here with with this big 12 title implications i am a firm belief that the top four teams that were announced today number one, Georgia, number two, Michigan, number three, TCU, number four, USC, that if all four of these teams lose, this is still the final four. This should 100% be the last four, regardless of whether they win or or whether they lose. The, The spots of which they're ranked in the top four could change for sure, but I think this right here has to be your top four. Because it is ridiculous to me that a team should be punished for playing an extra game. And when I was thinking about this, I was like, how can I like put this in an analogous way that like if you and I, there's a bag of money that is up for grabs, me and you, it's like a million dollars and And they say, Travis, you have to go and fight a bear. And if you win, you get the money. But if you lose, Andrew gets the money. That is completely unfair because I'm the one that has to fight the bear and you're sitting on your butt doing nothing. So the bears say again, that the bears Purdue. But but no, I, I get your point. That's a, a, a you know very very fair point, um, which is which is why I think if you know if the bear wins and it's a top ten team like Kansas State and they maul somebody, you know why are you just giving the people that didn't play it sitting at home an opportunity, uh, you know to 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 go in instead of the you know team that did the work right? They did the work. Sure. They got the conference championship. I'm curious because you make a really good point. If they were all to lose, uh, they should be the top four anyway. That's very, very interesting. Uh, very well within the realm of possibility that it could happen. Is it because I think I agree, agree with you on the un, un, unbeatens, especially if it's close, right? You know, yeah. fluke play or whatever. Um, would it be for USC versus Ohio State? Would it be the common opponent that Notre Dame of how USC just, you know, kind of handled Notre Dame a little bit better than Ohio State did? that you give the edge because neither would be conference champion right and usc would have one more loss than ohio state that is and then there's you that is an issue right that that is an interesting point i had not thought about common opponents i know that the committee takes that into account for sure but that's not really what i was thinking i where i'm coming i think think it's an argument personally say i think usc played I think it, it would benefit your argument. I think USC played Notre Dame better than Ohio State did. Yeah, I, I think it benefits my argument as well. 
But like I, I'm saying I wasn't even thinking about that. I was more thinking of like, these are your top four teams right now. Why mm. should USC be punished? Because they made their conference championship game and Ohio State gets to sit on their butt and do nothing and get into the playoff. Ohio State's playoff game was against Michigan. So I think even if USC loses, they should still deserve to be in because they had to play an extra game against a very good opponent in Utah and get in while Iowa State, uh, uh, Ohio State sitting on their butts. That's where I'm by that. Yeah, yeah. And then by that logic, why are you not rewarding Utah for beating USC twice in the same season and being a conference champion? Yeah. So it's uh, it's very it's very interesting. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I think uh, you could definitely argue. I think the, the both of those arguments are good. I think the Notre Dame argument might hold some more water, uh, especially yeah. if Clemson finished as a two-loss ACC champion, right? Because you can make the argument, hey, Clemson just won the ACC. They only have two losses. USC two losses, non-champ, uh, but that common opponent is kind of the the thread that links all three of those teams: Buckeyes, Tigers, uh, Trojans. That's a really good um, point. USC handled them clearly, clearly the best. Um, yes. But it is to me, it's unfortunate that uh, that Utah, you know, had a, had an extra loss, um, and and Clemson had an extra lo- or Kansas State had an extra loss uh, because. As two boss teams, I don't even think they'd be in the conversation if they were two boss champs, um, let alone three loss champs. And I think they, they should be in the conversation a la Baylor last year. I think Baylor yeah. should have gotten a harder look. They kind of, you know, the Bears kind of just came out of nowhere, won, won the Big 12, and they were like, oh, wait a second, they're just there at two losses, and they won the Big 12, and it looks super dominant against Oklahoma State. Like, shoot, did we miss something? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think we did. Um, fortunately, I guess it – it wasn't too much controversy because Cincinnati was unbeaten and then everything, you know, you couldn't yeah. really refute that. But like Baylor, to me, Baylor should have got a harder, harder look, you know, just as Kansas State should probably get a hard look if, uh, you know, if they were to convincingly win. Um, but like you said, those teams kind of did, did it to themselves, you know, losing, you know, losing games by shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. I just like, do you think there's less like this feels not like a very dramatic weekend because I really do feel like, like these four teams are it. And there's only one other team on the outside that could possibly have a chance in Ohio state that I don't think they should have a chance. And it's like, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of drama this weekend with conference championship games. Does it feel like that to you? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, they definitely feel like the best. The thing is there's three unbeatens. I'm not sure the last time we've had three unbeatens going into the championship weekend. I think it's ever happened. So I'm going to run a stat check for me there. Yeah. Uh, it feels, but it does feel interesting if TCU and USC were to both lose, say Georgia wins, Michigan wins, and then TCU and USC were to both lose what you do with those slots. Because I know people want Ohio state and people want Alabama and then people want Alabama more than Tennessee. It's ridiculous that Alabama six and Tennessee seven went yes. to the committee head to head in every other, they put Florida state over LSU, Oregon state over Oregon. Um, you know, so, you know, hypocritical nonsense that the committee continues to uh, spew out. But I, I think it would be interesting. It would be dramatic if uh, both TCU and USC lost. It would, it would. Cause 
like I'm I'm even thinking back to your point if Kansas State were to just boat race TCU 48 to 0 like I still think TCU should get in because they they would be a one loss team the same as Ohio State but they would have made their conference championship game like that's that's just what I keep coming back to is the conference championship it has to mean something it has to mean something or else why are we playing them well, I would I would say the same thing, but I would say it on the behalf of Kansas State, you know, it, on the boat racing. Now, if it's like a field goal touchdown, you know, then it's like, hey, we split them over the course of the season. Uh, you know, there's a tough yep. neutral field, you know, but but look at us. We we did more all year. The ball just had to bounce a single way and we had to play a 13th game when everybody else kind of just got to sit at home. Yep. Totally agree with you. Uh you know, that I, I could see them sticking with TCU being in. Uh, if, if they go out there and lay an egg, that's that's tougher for me. Again, it's it's a lot of eye tests. It's a lot of feel. College football is a lot of feel, right? Yeah. Um, and, and we don't really know until we actually watch and feel it for ourselves, uh, which is what I love about the sport and what makes it really interesting. But to your point, conference championships have to matter. And if you're going to just say like, Hey, only the top half of the ranked teams in the conference championship, you know, only one team matters in each conference championship. Well, then why are we playing conference championships? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And when I, I'm thinking about if we had a 12 team playoff this year, and I'm thinking about how much more exciting I think these conference championship games would be because as I, as I've said on the line, Yes, absolutely, because Kansas State, we're saying, really doesn't have a shot at all right now. But if it was a 12-team playoff, they if they win, they are in, baby. Think about – Yes, as a four seed, think about Purdue. How much was on the line for Purdue? If Purdue were to win, what are they, seven and four, eight eight and four? Imagine an eight and four team getting into the playoff. Like how crazy is that? And how much more exciting does that make the Purdue and Michigan game? Same thing for the ACC, same thing for the PAC 12. Like think of these underdog teams that get into the conference championship. And it's like, look, it doesn't, the rest of the year doesn't matter. We got to win one game and we're in the stinking playoff, man. Like that is exciting to me. Yeah, yep. Yeah. To to your point, under the twelve team format, Baylor winning the Big Twelve last year would have made them the fourth seed. Four seed. So the top four conference champions not only are in, but they get buys, and then the two other um, conference champions get in, and then everybody else, the other six are at large, right? Five through twelve play first round at a ranked um, or on campus, and yep. then and then boost to the quarterfinals. So Baylor would have gotten a first round buy in the playoffs. Too quick. So I think that this whole conversation makes me think that expansion is a, a good thing, Yes. but B, I don't think they have it fully baked yet on how the playoff should be set because the playoff needs to be um, top six champions. But if you're a conference champion, you automatically get a home game. So the four top four get buys, but like if Tulane were to win it, Tulane should have a home game. Yeah. You know, uh, that's not how it is now. And then the first round is on campus that second round, the quarterfinals should also be on campus. So if you're awesome. a top four champion, you know, that as of now, it's neutral site from quarterfinals on. 
it's got to be it's got to be on campus for those first two rounds and then semifinals and championship game should be those three games should be the six bowl games that we have now on a rotating uh you know basis um that that are on neutral fields that's that's how it should be that you you solve everything you keep conference championship games matter yep the the rose bowl and the bowl games all all matter play a part and you have on-campus games which is a big deal because it doesn't mean that the sec top athletic teams with the highest star prospects can just go to neutral fields and dominate whatever you're gonna have to go to snowy michigan snowy ann arbor or you know (laughs) rainy seattle or you know whatever you know white out white out state college type thing and so to me, the 12-team playoff is not fully baked, and it has some very uh, concerning errors, but, uh, but it would be another step that yet again in the right direction. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on all fronts. And the, the reason I think that the home games make sense is, you know, think about a, a two-lane team getting in and having – instead of having a home game, having a neutral site game, I'm not sure how many people are going to go to that game from Tulane's side. But right. if Tulane has a home game, that is a, that's going to be a sold-out stadium. That's going to be an awesome atmosphere. And that goes for a lot of other teams. You know, like even Baylor, we don't really travel all that great to neutral fields, but you, you bet your butt if we had a home playoff game, that thing is going to be sold out. So I think it makes sense from that standpoint too. And I'm glad to hear that it sounds like you're kind of in favor of the 12 team playoff. And I am too. I, I think it makes things much more exciting. hundred percent agree. So, all right, let's, let's cap it off here. I'm already on record. I think that nothing changes this weekend. I think Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC are all in the playoff. What say you? Yeah, I think those Pac-12 and Big 12 championship games are going to be mighty interesting, but I think I'm with you. Uh, those four teams I'll, I'll, I'll take as winners this weekend. Uh, and not only do I think, I think that we think we're gonna, they're going to win, but I think college football as a sport needs them to all win because that's three big and different brands that are in um, the college football playoff yet again, right? Um, and it would just be great, great to see. Um, you know, for, for the sport. And that's, that was one of the main arguments for expansion, but you know, sometimes it just takes a cycle or two, yeah. right. You know, some other teams have to figure it out Yeah, and it, it, it's not, it proves it's not impossible. So, yeah. And it, it, as much as it sucks that TCU is probably going to be the first non OU big 12 team to make the right. playoff. I think the big 12 needs it. The big 12, uh, this new big 12 look needs a, needs a kind of, hat on their head to, to be able to tip their cap and say, Hey, we have had a team make the playoff um, as much as I hate that it's TCU. So, well, Andrew Miner, thanks as always for joining us. Thanks for being a friend to the podcast and uh, everybody should check out the bears illustrated podcast. And uh, Andrew also writes for two, four, seven sports and bears illustrated. He does football. He does women's basketball and men's basketball. Correct. Yep. Yep. Cover it all. Um, even do a little volleyball from, from time to time as well. Um, so they're, they're 15 seed in the NCAA tournament. 
got some home games this weekend. Men's basketball is playing now. I think they're getting smashed by Marquette in the first oh, half. Gosh. And then women's basketball uh, had a pretty good performance in, in Florida holiday tournament. Uh, they, they lost to Michigan in the championship game. So back-to-back years losing to Maryland and Michigan. A little concerning, but I think I think uh, women's basketball, there's a lot of you know, growth that's, that's going to, and development that's going to happen. Young, young team. Yeah. Did not see the, uh, the men's score. I knew they were playing Marquette at seven thirty. Sounds like it's not going great. Um, but Hey, if you are a, if you are a Baylor athletics fan, Andrew Miner has you covered on all fronts. So check him out on two, four, seven sports. Yeah, man, absolutely. And bears illustrated and, uh, Andrew, always good to have you sick and bears. Sick and bears. Thanks so much, Travis. All right, we are going to pick the conference championship games this weekend. And before we do that, though, going to look at last week. Last week went four and five. So we are moving backwards, not by a lot. So I'm 38, 40, and two. Two below 500 now. Still hoping to make that up. Uh, where I was right last week, Iowa State at number four TCU. TCU was favored by nine and a half points, and they splattered Iowa State against the wall, 62-14. to 14. OU at Tech. I had Tech plus two points. Tech won in overtime, 51-48. to 48. Kansas at number 15, Kansas State. I took Kansas State minus 12 points. They ended up winning by 20. Then last where I was right, number, one, number 21, Tulane. At number 25, Cincinnati, I had Tulane plus two points. They won by three, 27-24. But where I was wrong... With your Baylor Bears, I took Baylor plus eight and a half points. UT ended up winning by 11. West Virginia at number 22, Oklahoma State. I took Oklahoma State minus eight and a half points. West Virginia won outright 24 to 19. BYU at Stanford. I took Stanford plus six and a half points. BYU pulled that one out by nine, 35 to 26. Number 20, UCF at USF. And man, I can't believe I took UCF. Well, I can't believe I took UCF minus 19 and a half points because USF is really bad. And uh, UCF only won by seven, 46 to 39. So I was wrong there. And then Tulsa at Houston. I took Houston, who's been abysmal to pick against or for this year, really. They've been so up and down. Houston minus 12 and Tulsa won that game, 37 to 30. But let's look at these conference championship games. Starting with the Big 12, number 10, Kansas State at number 3, TCU, the only top 10 matchup of the weekend. TCU favored by 2.5 points. Give me Kansas State plus the 2.5 points. Number 11, Utah at number 4, USC for the Pac-12 championship. USC favored by 3 points. I do not think that Utah beats USC again. I think Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman. He's playing the best he has all year, and so is USC, so give me USC minus 3. Heading over to the SEC, number 14, LSU, coming off of a really bad loss to AM because AM is really, really bad. They are facing number one, Georgia. Georgia's favored by 17 and a half points. I don't imagine LSU is going to um, play as badly as they did that last weekend, and that's a lot of points. So I'm going to take LSU plus 17 and a half points. Number 22, UCF at number 18, Tulane. Tulane favored by three and a half points. Give me Tulane. 
Purdue at number two, Michigan. This is by far the worst conference championship of the weekend. This is going to be a boring game because Michigan is going to destroy Purdue. They are favored by 16 and a half points to so giving Michigan, excuse me. And lastly, in the ACC, number nine, Clemson at number 23, UNC. Clemson is favored by seven and a half. I don't trust him. Give me Mac Brown and the Tar Heels plus seven and a half points. Thanks everyone for bearing with us today. And thanks to Andrew Miner also for bearing with us. It was really fun to talk some college football playoff uh, scenarios and sometimes some nonsense. And look, the Bears finished the season six and six. A lot of people would call that a disappointment. But I am uh, I am sticking by my feelings about any time Baylor gets to a bowl game, it is not a disappointment. So excited to see the Bears in their bowl game and that matchup coming up. This is Travis Corley saying stay safe and sick and Bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.